Man, it's good to be home. <laughs> I miss this family. You guys are so special. There's something so special here, so powerful here. And I just want to start off by taking a moment to honor Pastor Dwayne and Tammy Lowe. Your faithfulness to say yes to God is an example for all of us to follow. And it has touched my life. Man, I didn't plan to, I didn't plan to do this, but apparently it's real. It's touched my life. It's made an impact. I'm so grateful for you and everything that you do for this body and for this family. So thank you, and we honor you. All right. Whew. Shake it out. Shake it out. Let's go. All right. Man, okay, so this was not planned until this week. Uh, apparently, God has a word that he would like to share with all of us, and I'll let you in on a confession. Uh, normally, God doesn't really release me to speak on something until it's something that I have walked through, and I have some experience, and I've overcome some struggles and made it to not the other side completely, but on the other side of the difficulty, and that's not the case today. Uh, this is going to be challenging for me uh, because God's inviting me to share on something that he is having me walk through right now, and you know, like we love testimonies, right? Like we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Like our testimonies are so powerful, but so often you only hear testimonies after the fact, and you know, hey, let me tell you what God did for me. You know, you don't really see what I went through, but you see me now, and it's amazing, and it's a powerful story every single time. But I feel like some of the times testimonies can be even more powerful when they're in the middle. And, you know, <laughs> apparently that's where God is, is inviting me. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and let's dive in to the deep end. Jesus. You're welcome here. We need you. Would you open up our heart to hear your word, to hear whatever it is that you are speaking to us this morning? Fill us with peace. Convict us where we need it. And I pray that you would be the only one speaking today. Silence every other voice that is contrary to yours. Let your truth be the only thing that we hear. God, I'm scared to go here, but let's do it. You have my yes. So come and move in every one of our lives right here, right now, today. We trust you. Amen. All right. So a little bit of get to know me. Uh, I always ask God every year for a word. Hey, what is, what is the theme that you have for my life this year? What do you want it to look like? Uh, and he's faithful to provide that word that serves then as a theme, as a direction for me to pursue for that year with him, to, to allow him to speak into me. <laughs> and they're usually words I don't like. Uh, you know, something about God wants us to live outside of our comfort zone, because that's where growth happens. You know, you don't, you don't grow if you're comfortable, if you're... Uh, uh, going to the gym and working out, and your muscles really hurt while they're growing. And so uh, he's calling us out of our comfort zone. And so I think three years ago, he gave me the words, you know, surrender. And after that, it was obedience. And after that, it was submission. You know, all these wonderful words that just really get you pumped up. Uh, but he's so faithful, and there's a reason behind it every single time. And so this year, when I was talking to him, and asking him, all right, God, what's 2024 going to look like? He gave me the word intimacy. And so that's the word we're going to dive into today. So just real quick, up front, I want to talk about intimacy, right? D different people have different definitions of intimacy based on what your life has looked like, things that you've gone through. Uh, you know, for the men in the room, it's not just talking about marital intimacy. We're not, we're not going to go down that road today. But uh, intimacy is... One of the better definitions I've heard is, into me, you see. 
And so that is where we open ourselves up and actually allow ourselves to be seen. And so when we're talking about, that's, that's the focus of what we're going to talk about today and what it looks like to walk in intimacy with God. So, uh, real, real quick, for the men too, before you tune out, this isn't just kind of mushy-gushy feeling stuff. Uh, it's actually the way we were created. You know, if you, if you look all the way back in the garden, when God breathed life into Adam, he created Adam for intimacy with him. They were walking in the garden together, sharing everything. Uh, that's how we were created. And culture and society has kind of turned it into this, oh, that, the feeling stuff, that's for women. You know, well, I'm a man. I don't need intimacy. The only intimacy I need is the, you know, uh, that's all we need. And I just, I just want to come at that lie today because it's not the case. And we as men... We're created for intimacy as well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look different. We have different bents. We speak different languages. But guess who created us and knows that language? And so there's an invitation there to receive from him. And again, like I said, this is real for me. I uh, got this word this year, and uh, today's the 21st of January. That means I'm uh, officially three weeks into this kind of dive into intimacy. So I'm not, I'm not the most qualified person. I don't have years of experience of growing in intimacy with God, and it's just everything, but I can share what he's been speaking to me on. Uh, a little bit about my life to this point. I have a natural bent, if you will, of not wanting to face hard things. I think, I think that's in all of us, but for me, it's all the way to the right, all the way. As soon as something hard comes up, sweep it under the rug, bury it. I don't want to deal with it. Let's move on. Get back to being happy. I like smiling. I like saying dad jokes, for those of you that know me. That's my thing. <laughs> Preparing for fatherhood, one joke at a time. Uh, but that's, that's where I like to live. But in doing that, I've spent 35 years now sweeping things under the rug, sweeping things under the rug. I don't want to deal with that. That's hard. That's painful. Well, let me pretend it's not there come back over here where things are good and life is, is happy. It's kind of hard to be connected and intimate when you are shunning half of your life, right? So I think I know why God's having me dive into this because he doesn't want me to keep living that way anymore, but that's where I'm coming from. And so <laughs> if, if that resonates with anyone, I'm with you. I'm, I'm in this with you. So uh, I think if, we're talk, if we talk about how we were created, every single one of us is, as humans, our greatest desire is to be seen, to be known, and to be loved. And so fully seen, fully known, fully loved is our greatest desire because that is pure intimacy. Like nothing is hidden. You know everything about me and you love me. Wow, I don't have to perform. I don't have to do anything. I can just be and I know I'm loved. That's our greatest desire. But you know what our greatest fear is? To be fully seen, fully known, and not loved. And so out of that fear, how many of us keep ourselves from being known and seen? Because we don't want to be not, we want to avoid the risk. We don't want to take that risk to open ourselves up and potentially be hurt. Because the, the reality is you can't open yourself up for love, unless you open yourself up for the possibility of being hurt. And that's hard. <laughs> that sucks. I don't like being hurt. I, uh, I'm not a fan. Um, and so that's kind of the, the tension that we find ourselves in because we're created for this. We have this longing, this desire, and a competing fear. So what do we do about it? And so if we, again, look back in the garden, a verse that stood out to me at the end of chapter 2 of Genesis is they were naked and didn't feel shame. You know, that means they were seen, they were known, and no shame was attached. There was nothing wrong with them in their minds. It was, I'm seen, I'm known, but it's God, and so I'm loved. They were, they were living in and fulfilling that desire. But then you go to chapter three and sin enters in. Go ahead and uh, 
Genesis 3, chapter 1 through 10, tells a story. He says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we're not allowed to touch. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. <laughs> I'm going to stop there, because I need to talk to the men for a second. You hear all the time, people make jokes. Well, if it wasn't for the woman eating the fruit in the garden, we wouldn't have experienced all this, right? Do you know who received the charge to not eat from the fruit of the tree? I'll give you a hint. There was only one person on earth at the time. <laughs> Eve wasn't in the picture yet when God said, do not eat from this fruit. Let's look at this verse again. Uh, verse 6. She gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. Men. We need to stop abdicating our responsibility to lead. We need to step into that place where God placed a calling. He placed a responsibility. He placed a burden on the men. And we need to walk in that. And I, I say that sternly, but I hope it is an encouragement too because we've been empowered. God trusted us. He gave that charge to us as men. For us to walk in that, we can be secure and we can be confident in that responsibility and in that role. So let's step into that as men. Sorry, God just, God just put that on my heart. Quick. It's something I'm so passionate about. We have to live in that role. It is a healthy place. Moving on. Verse 7. So after they ate the fruit, at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from him among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And so we have this perfect utopia in the Garden of Eden, no sin, complete pure intimacy with God and all of a sudden barriers to that intimacy showed up for the first time there are now things that are in the way between Adam and Eve and God and so looking at that story there were four barriers that stood out to me the first one is unbelief it started right there you know, the serpent said, did God really say, are you sure he has your best interest in mind? Can you really trust him? Is he good? That's the first thing that showed up, unbelief. We start to question it. We start to go, you know what? <sighs> I don't know if God's really good. I don't know if he really has my best interest in mind. I don't, maybe he's withholding from me. Maybe there's something better. And so God gave me a word tied to each one of these, these barriers. And the word that he gave me for unbelief is self-righteousness. And I didn't, I didn't see the correlation at first. I was like, self-righteousness? Self, how does that tie into unbelief? And then I looked up a definition. <laughs> so self-righteousness is an attitude or belief of moral superiority derived from a person deeming their own beliefs, actions, and affiliations to be of greater virtue than those of others. And so, unbelief showed up on the scene. Next up, shame. Right after it happened, all of a sudden they were ashamed of their nakedness. 
That's another barrier to intimacy. What do I do? Oh my gosh, I'm naked. That's not a good thing. Why am I naked? I need to hide this. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Oh my goodness. And, and you start making judgments about yourself and telling yourself you're no good because you see things that you don't like. And so the, the self word God gave me for that is self-doubt, where we start you know, partnering with the enemy and eh, there's no way I could ever do that. I'm, I'm, I'm too messed up. I'm too gone. There, I have too much um, garbage in my life. I have too much, I have too many things I've done that I'm ashamed of. I can't walk in the calling that you've called me to do. Nope, can't do it. So shame shows up as a barrier. Next up, fear. They're afraid. Adam literally said, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid. And so this, this fear, this, this new feeling, shows up. And the self word attached to that is self-protection. And so in our lives, when we're afraid, we will shell up. We will do everything that we can to keep ourselves safe. Whether it's run away, go hide. Whether we're, I'm going to get you first so you don't get me. There's a lot of ways that we, sh- that we try to protect ourselves, but it's out of the fear of being hurt of being damaged. And so that self-protection shows up. (laughs) A little bit of my story, because God wants me to invite you in. (laughs) Okay, uh, so I grew up in a, by all accounts, I was blessed to grow up in a healthy home where I was loved, I was affirmed, I was encouraged, and that was my norm. And so... I was homeschooled through elementary school. And then middle school showed up, and that's the first time I've really been out in the real world. You know, I, I did things, but, but it wasn't like the, the environment that school is. And so I go to middle school, and you know, I'm used to being in a safe environment where I'm loved and affirmed, and whatever I do and everything I do is like, yeah, that's awesome. And guess what? I showed up at a a small school, tiny little rural school in Minnesota, where I grew up, that had 45 kids in a grade. It was a public school. And it was a K through 12 school, so everyone had been together since kindergarten. And then this outsider shows up in middle school. And I wasn't the most liked kid. In fact, I was the biggest target. And ironically, I was also teeny back then, um, I'm slightly larger now, so joke's on you. Ha! Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, the, I was the kid that got picked on the most in my whole grade for 7th and 8th grade. It was not a fun experience. But what that did to my spirit was tell me who you are is not good. Because I was used to being safe and I'm, everything I am, I can just be, and it's good. And then I go to school, and I'm like, hey, it's me. And they're like, ha stuff you in a locker. You're not good. You're, you're going to get picked on. You're going to get targeted. You're going to get told all the reasons why you're not cool. Um, and that did something to me that, you know, brought fear in. Because now people are seeing me, and they're not loving me. And I, I don't want that. I don't like this feeling. So I am going to, I'm going to show them that I'm actually good. I have what they're looking for. What they want me to be, I can do that. So moving on to the next barrier to intimacy, it's pride. God gave me the the self-word of self-reliance. I can do this. I don't need anyone else. I don't need God. I know the best way. I can make it happen. And that's where we live. (laughs) So guess what I did in response to those mean middle school bullies? Seventh and eighth grade. Ninth grade rolls around, and I start my my charge. 
And so I am now determined they didn't like who I was, so I'm going to figure out how to play this game. I'm going to master the art of making people love me by being impressive, by being funny, by being, you know, good at what I do. And so by the time I graduated high school, I was the homecoming king. Football quarterback, dating the cheerleading captain. I'm not even kidding you. This is real. That was me because I, ha I internalized this. Who I genuinely am is not okay. Therefore, watch me craft this amazing person. And this has been my hardest struggle ever since that point. Because <laughs> everything I do, I'm like, I want you to be impressed by me. I want you to be amazed by me. <laughs> Prepping for this dang sermon. I'm like, all right, how can I make it really good? So they're like, man, that was amazing. I'm like, stop. No, that's the problem. That's what we're trying to overcome here. But it's real. You know, I went to college at the Air Force Academy. You want to know why I went? Because they had a 13% acceptance rate. Watch me. I'm awesome. I can get that. That was, that was me. That was what drove me. That was what motivated me. You know, <laughs> challenge came up my junior year at the academy. Oh, you can go try out for the special warfare career field. Yeah, I'm in. Let's go. It's hard. I can get picked up for it. Watch me. And I did. And that's the problem is I've actually succeeded at building this image, at building this identity, at building this mask that people see that they're impressed with. And so this pride is very attractive to me because it works. And when I rely on myself and when I say I can do it and I can overcome and I can find a way, it works on the surface for the things that the world cares about. How's your resume look? How's your, how's your you know, reputation among your people? Are you successful? You climbing the ladder? Doing good things? Awesome. Keep it up. That's all we need from you. That's all that matters. But I can tell you, and my wife can tell you, because I'm married now. Hard to hide when you're married. God knows what we need, right? Thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> um, but I, I am personally not doing good. Even though on the outside, it looks great. I got the resume. I got the stats. I got the, you know, everything is on point. Inside, I got a lot of stuff under that rug that ain't been dealt with. And I'm hurting. And it's starting to catch up to me. And so this is why God's inviting me personally into intimacy and I believe he's inviting all of us in because he has more for us. That's, that's what it comes down to. There is, there is actually more to this life than being successful and having it all figured out and being liked and respected. And, you know, there is so much more. We're created for more. And that's where he's inviting us. So um, he gave me an idea for an illustration to kind of depict the, uh, the barriers um, that, that tend to show up in our life. Uh, I know not everybody is an auditory learner, so for everybody who stuff doesn't just stick from hearing, I've got, a, I've got a little visual here, so thanks to the volunteers for setting it up. It's going to take a little bit of imagination, but if you bear with me, Hopefully it'll make sense, and hopefully it'll illuminate a little bit of um, where we're going with this. So I need you to imagine something. These cups are my heart. This is, this is a, a person's heart, what it looks like, right? And this water is God's love. And so here we are. Starting out, brand new relationship with God. Oh, this is amazing. Open up my heart to God for the first time. God, I want you to, to fill me. Fill me up. Fill me, Lord. All of me. Just, just fill it up. Keep going, Lord. This is, man, this is amazing. Holy cow. 
This is new. This is wonderful. I'm full. This is fuller than I've ever been in my entire life. My heart feels so good. This is wonderful. God's like, okay, now I've given you something. Pour it out. Pour it back out to me. Oh, man, this is cool. I'm like blessing God. I'm loving God back. Wow. Yes, that's awesome. God, fill me up again. Fill me up again, Lord. Fill, fill me up. Fill all of me. All of me. God, this feels amazing, but I just, it's not all the way there. This isn't, this isn't the full, I feel like there's more. That like this still felt good, but there's just there's just pieces that are that are kind of missing. Yeah, so well, I want you to to open up this this area of your heart. Oh, that area? Why? God, that doesn't make sense. That's dumb. Unbelief. I, God, I don't think I don't think I need to go there. That's that's not even a big deal. Whatever. I want you to open that up. Okay, fine. If you say so, let's open it up. <sighs> okay, well, God, fill me up. Keep filling me. <sighs> All right, well, oh, wow, this is actually, this is working. This is, this feels amazing. Man, okay, thank you. That's so good. God, I'm so glad you filled me up. I got this now. I can do everything that you need me to do now. I have life and, oh, man, this is great. I got this. Thanks for showing me that I really needed to, to uh, open that part of me up. And, you know, That's just amazing that you revealed to me. So I got this. I'm going to go. I'm going to go and live. I'm going to go do everything that I need. I'm full. God, what happened? I thought I had this. This, this was full. I, I got it. I can handle it. Pride. But guess what happens when we try to handle it on our own? We get empty real quick. It drains out. God, I have to open that area up again? I already did. You're supposed to fix it. Come on. And he says, yes, but when you open an area of your heart, it has to stay open. Because as you discover that there are things that have been damaged, you have to give me room to get in there, to work on the damage, to touch those places that need a healing touch. Okay, God, man, that was a ordeal. I didn't like that. You're fiddling around, messing around in there. But, okay, fill me up. And he's like, okay, let's do it. I'll fill you up. All right, God, and you want me to leave the lid off? Okay, I'll leave the lid off too because you want it to stay open. Because guess what you can't do when the lid's on? You can't pour out. And so if we're trying to keep it all in ourselves, we're trying to hold it. I got this. Let me white knuckle my way through. I got a little bit of God's love, and now I'm good. It's not going to work. But now I'm still, this feels good. This feels amazing. I'm in so much of a better place than I was before, but it's something's still missing. There's more. Okay, son. Open up that, that next part of your heart. No, no. God, no. No, 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 no. Don't, don't take me there. Dang it. Don't take me there. I'm not going to go. No, it's too dirty. It's a mess. I don't want to open that up. I don't want to let it out. There's, there's some stuff in there that's way better off for the world if it doesn't get opened up. I'll keep that box locked. I want you to go there because you weren't created to live full of, full of mud, full of a mess, full of dirt. 
God, fine, if you really, really want me to. I'll give you that much. There you go. I did it. Woohoo. Look at the mess. I'm terrible. Is this what you wanted? He's like, okay, let me let me love you. Wait, no. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. It looks way worse now than it did before. Now it's really ugly. It used to be like kind of, it was all brown, and now it's just spots and speckles, and no, 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 no. That's worse. God, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. Like, I'm, I'm, I am so full of shame and so full of fear that I can't let God in to that place he needs to go. And now it looks worse. And what God's speaking to me, that I'm real not excited about, is that often that's part of the process. Some of the times things, when you start diving into an area that's got some dirt, it's going to take some work. It's going to be a process, but he's asking if we're willing to trust the process. He's asking us if we're willing to let him in and trust. Oh, God, you want me to trust you. You want me to trust you. You want me to trust you. This is a hot mess. Okay, you've proven yourself faithful. Look at what you've done. Look at what you've done in my life. You have proven yourself faithful, even when it didn't make sense, even when I didn't think you could. Okay, let's open it up. I'll even throw the lid away. I know I like to try to put that on. Please be gentle. Okay, come love on me. Okay, um, this feels a little different. Okay, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Why are you shaking me? Why are you moving and scrubbing and touching all these places? Uh, not sure I like this, God, what's going on? Whew, okay, God, that was a, I feel a little bit better, okay. Come fill me up again, please, but that was weird. Don't do all that stuff. It's really uncomfortable. I don't like it. I really don't like it, but please fill me up. Ah, you're doing it again. Shaking all this stuff, rubbing all this stuff. I don't like it. This is not, ah, God, this wasn't what it was supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Really easy. Whew. Okay, God, I'm actually starting to feel a little better. Wow, this is incredible. Come love on me again. Please fill me up, Lord. Fill me up all the way. Clean out whatever it is that you need to clean out. All this stuff. I want to experience you fully and your love. And then God says, what you have right there, I want you to pour that out to others. What? Still muddy, still muddy, God. I don't know if you see. Still, There's still dirt. There's still a mess. It's not clean. It's not perfect. It's not everything you need. He said, I can work with that. I can use that. Okay, God, I'll pour it out. Okay. Whatever you say, I gave you my yes, you can work with it. Please fill me up. This is the process that God's inviting us into. <laughs> and I don't want to do it. I'm... I want this. I don't want the process. I don't, the process is hard. And this illustration took five minutes, but in reality, it could take five years. It could take a long time to do it. But God's asking me, is this worth it? Do you want this? Do you want to be close? Do you want to have everything that you need so that when I ask you to pour out, you're quick to say yes? 
because you're confident that what you have is good love that can be poured out that other people need. And so I hope this helps illuminate a little bit more of where God is inviting us and what he's taking us to. I'm going to come back up here because... So a couple takeaways from the illustration and, and what God's saying is intimacy requires trust. You can't do that. You can't experience that unless you trust him. We can't, we can't have intimacy and be close to a spouse unless there's trust there. So it requires trust. Also, we can only receive love in the areas that we've opened ourselves up. You cannot be filled unless you are open and available. If someone wants to hand me something, like, okay, I can take it. Here, hand it to me. It, it's a cup of water. I know, I can, I can maybe try to balance. You have to have open hands in order to receive. So, but I'm trying to protect something that's inside. I can't let it open or else it might fall out. Got a $100 bill in there, and you want to give me more hundreds, but if I do, I might lose this one, and I might not get the others, and then I'll have nothing. So we have to be willing to open up. And then, last, intimacy is actually the reward of commitment. Uh, it starts with a commitment, leads to intimacy, and then intimacy leads to identity. And by the way, this, this is a universal truth. This isn't just Christianese, how to do the Christian thing. Uh, this works with a job. This works with, you know, pick, picking up a, a whole bunch of, you know, attractive women, you know, building up your, your body count, right? It starts with a commitment. No, I'm going to do this. And that leads to intimacy. And then that leads to an identity. This is who I am. So I'm committing to work. I am I'm going to be the best person at work. That is what my commitment is. Well, guess what? I'm spending all my time at work. And now my identity is completely tied to my work and my reputation at work and how well I'm working and I'm moving up in the ladder. So this works with God too, though. When we give him a commitment, say, God, I'm following you. I am trusting you. You are worth it. Then that leads to the intimacy that we need with him for him to tell us who we are. That's what it comes down to. Our identity in Christ is everything. Because if we don't get it from him, guess where we're going to get it from? Everywhere else. Because the world is offering a lot of tickets straight to identity. Every single possible area you can think about, there is a, hey, you can you could be this. You want to be rich and wealthy? Just chase the grind. Hustle. Get that money. There's identity everywhere. But there's really only one infinite source of identity that brings life. So how do we restore intimacy? Now that we have these barriers, they're pretty real. I don't like them but we're walking through it. How do we restore it? Why would I choose to commit to a God if I didn't believe he was good? So guess what? I have a secret to tell you. God is good. He is faithful. He is loving. He is kind. He is gentle and stern in a way that we need. Sometimes we need to little kick in the rear end, get going. But it's always, I've never been spanked so kindly as I have by God. <laughs> Where I feel this thing a little bit, but I'm like, thank you, I needed that. But that's, that's who God is. And so my, part of my journey in, in my faith, because I grew up in a Christian home, but it was just kind of a check the box, yeah, I'm a Christian, whatever, that's what I do. Uh, so part of my journey was diving into my faith and going, okay, what do I actually believe? And why do I believe? I'm not going to take anything for granted. I'm going to actually deep dive and keep going, why, why, why? So I can get to the point where I can make a decision. 
and say, oh, this isn't my parents' faith. I'm not doing this because, well, I'm just Christian. This is what I do. I'm like, no, this is, this is real for me. So on that journey, I was going, I was going, I was deconstructing, asking questions, diving into, and then I hit an obstacle that I couldn't, I couldn't get past. And that obstacle was asking the question of, does God really love us? Could not get to the point where that was a no. No matter what I looked into, does God really love us? My answer was yes. Because John 3, 16, right, the most famous Bible verse in the world, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes means there's going to be people who don't believe. And I, I put myself, and I'm like, okay, what is the most precious thing that I have? Would I be willing to give that up for someone who hates me, for someone who gets on my last nerve, who says nothing but death against me? Would I be willing to do that? Spoiler alert, no. <laughs> but God did. He said, yes, you are worth it. And I cannot look at that act as anything other than pure love. So does God love us? The answer is yes. Next step, okay, God loves us. That means he can work things for my good. I found Romans 8.28. He works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So if he's working everything for my good, that doesn't mean everything is going to be good. That doesn't, there are people in this world who are living fully engrossed in sin, and those actions have consequences in this natural world. There are going to be things that happen that cause a lot of pain, that do not feel good. But can God use 100% of those things for his good and for our good? So that was my next step. Okay, God is love, and he loves me dearly. Now, everything he says is actually for my good. Wait, that means I can trust him when he leads. Because that means when he leads me to do something, it's for my good, and it's because he loves me. And this is the God that we get to commit to. This is the God that we can serve. And there's, a, there's an invitation there to get things from God personally. That's why Jesus went to the cross, to restore that connection with God. We don't need to go through someone to get information secondhand. God can speak directly to us. So don't, don't just look to a pastor. Don't just look to someone who's preaching on Sundays to give you what you need from God. God can give it to you personally, directly, and he's speaking. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks, but we have to listen. So, diving back into the, the barriers, unbelief, right? What, is, what does the Bible say about unbelief? Mark 9, 23 through 24 says, What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And so if you find yourself in a position where you're struggling with unbelief, it is okay to cry out to God and go, God, help me in my unbelief. I want to believe, but I don't. It's not working. I'm trying really hard to believe, but ah, I need your help. Help my unbelief. Shame. In 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10, it's Paul talking. He says, I'm, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I knew it was painful for you for a little while. But now I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow that God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Shame is worldly sorrow. It leads to death. But... That same sorrow you feel, if it leads you to repentance, all of a sudden becomes godly sorrow, and that leads to life. Fear. 1 John 4, 
17 and 18. I really like the, the message version of this verse. It says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. So guess what the antidote for fear is? Love. Pride. James 4, 6 through 10 says, And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. And so the antidote for pride is to humble ourselves and say, God, we can't do it on our own. I've tried. I don't want you to oppose me. That's, that's mildly terrifying for me. <laughs> I don't want to be opposed by God. I want to be aligned with God. And so, God, help me to be humble. So what does this all look like? I'm going to make it personal. I really like my life. All, all this success and resume building and people like me and all this stuff, it feels really good. I like it. But Jesus said, lay down your life. Am I willing to let all of that go and trust that he is better, he is greater, he is more fulfilling than any amount of success and any amount of reputation, than any amount of uh, worldly adoration could ever bring. Reminds me of a story about the rich young ruler. If you don't know the story, it's, it's this man goes to Jesus and says, what must I do to, to be saved? And he says, keep the commandments, do all these things. And he says, I've done all of those things since I was a boy. This is awesome. And then Jesus says one more thing, and he says, sell everything you own, give it away, and then come follow me. And he goes away sad because he had a lot of stuff that he wasn't willing to let go. He wanted to do all the right things. If I check all the boxes off, is that good enough? Oh, you want me to lay this down? You want me to trust that what you have for me is actually better? That's hard. Other people might be on the opposite end of the spectrum. They might have a very different story than me, and their life looks like trash. They do not like where they're at right now. They're sad. They're down. This is not working. But I, it's at least known. I, I can probably deal with this because I know it. That whatever is unknown, if I actually let this go and moved on, that's more scary. That is even harder than this that sucks. So whatever end of the spectrum you're on, wherever you are, whether this is the first time you've ever thought about laying your life down to Jesus or this is the 999th time, there's an invitation here for us to lay down our life everything that we think we need, everything that we have built up, all these barriers, unbelief, fear, shame, pride, everything that is keeping us from truly surrendering and laying it down. There's an invitation here for us to lay that down, to repent. I know it's a Christianese word, but that was the gospel that Jesus preached when he was on earth. 
and it means to turn. I was going this way, and then I started going this way. And so today we have an opportunity to turn. We have an opportunity to stop going in a direction that we have been going. So I want you to close your eyes right now. God, would you examine our hearts? Would you reveal to us, God, anything, anything that we have inside of us that is getting in the way of true intimacy with you? God, we want to be seen, we want to be known, and we desperately want to be loved. You're calling us into the deep end, God, but we don't know how to go there. So would you illuminate those areas in our heart? Lead us to repentance. Lead us to you. If there's anything that God is bringing up, illuminating, there's an opportunity for you to lay it down right here. I believe there's something powerful in moving with our body. And so the altar is open. I don't believe there's anything special about doing it up here versus doing it in your seat, but I believe there's something powerful about getting your body to move once your mind makes a choice. So we're going to sing some worship songs and have some time with God, but this space is yours. Let him lead you to repentance. And I'm going to be right there with you because I need it. So, thank you, Jesus. You are worth everything.